You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Hello, Hill City and those watching online. Um, This is a little bit different for us. Um, we're a new church plant here in Colorado Springs, and um, we're typically in person, and we don't usually broadcast our services. And, uh, we make that intentional choice not to broadcast our services, though if you are just finding us for the first time, you can always go and find the Hill City Teaching Podcast online. We post our sermons a week late, um, so a week after they were delivered to our congregation. And the main reason for that is, well, we like to see you. We like to, we like to see you um, within our community and with our people because we think relationship matters and it matters a lot. Um, relationship with God and relationship with people are core tenets of our faith and, and of Hill City. And um, if we're not near each other or around each other, it's really hard to do relationship with each other. Um, so that's one of the reasons that we uh, post on a delay and one of the reasons we don't share online uh, our video or broadcast our services. Maybe one day, maybe we figure it out online um, at some point, but that's just not a part of the cards right now. Uh, but thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we, we greatly appreciate it. Right now, majority of our congregation is out camping, and we've shut down services. Um, and we, but we still wanted to be able to provide those um, that weren't able to make the trip um, just an opportunity to hear God's Word and, and walk with Jesus in a little bit deeper relationship. Um, so join us as we continue our series. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll get going. Lord Jesus, um, God, speak to our hearts. And we know that the Hebrew writers tells us that your words are sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts through bone and marrow straight to the heart. Um, so, Father, c- encourage us, convict us, challenge us, um, comfort us, Lord Jesus, uh, as we continue into this series. We've been in the middle of this series called Iconic, and we're looking at the life of Jesus and different interact- interactions that he had with people and, and different teachings um, that he had throughout his ministry. And what can we learn from these things, not just um, so we understand more about Jesus, but how does this help us fall deeper in love with who Jesus is? How does imitate um, Jesus better in this life, us being Christians, you know, little Christ as we try to imitate who God is. But um, as we continue on in this series, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, and I'm hoping the verses are below me right now as we follow along, but that may be a big ask for those, uh, for um, our video editor, but we'll see what happens. If they're not there, I would assume you have a Bible or you're watching on a device and you could quickly pull up your Bible app or go to Bible.com um, and find John 11. But we're going to be in John 11, verse 1. Uh, this is the story of Lazarus, um, a, a pretty popular story and a story you've probably heard if you spent any time in the church. But we're going to dig into this and maybe we see this at a different perspective today and, and just look at uh, what faith and trusting Jesus really looks like is we kind of continue on in this little mini-series inside of the bigger series as we've been talking about um, just what does it mean to trust God? What does it mean to have faith uh, in the miraculous and faith in what God can do? Uh, but this is John chapter 11, starting verse 1. It says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Um, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Uh, this Mary was the uh, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped him his feet with his hair, with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glor- God's glory so that this God's son may be glorified through it. Excuse me. 
Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he, when he heard this, he heard that Lazarus was sick. Sorry, reading can be difficult. Uh, when he heard that Lazarus was sick. All right, we're going to start all this over. This is a nightmare. I hate recording. <clears throat> uh, we're going to be in John 11, starting with verse 1. It says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. Mary, was the whose brother Lazarus was now sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that the God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Here's something interesting. He stayed there two more days. Here's a moment in time, and I think this is where we can relate. I think oftentimes we, we forget that we have the entirety of the story. We're able to look back at this story, and, and we know how the story ends. But if you place yourself in, in the story as, as, as Mary or as Martha or as Lazarus, um, the story in this moment is, is drastically different. Um, see, John's gospel was written um, not like the, the other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The, those gospels are, are essentially, for the most part, chronological. They're written from the perspective of, of one of the disciples that saw him or one of the, the individuals that were around Jesus at that time, and, and it follows Jesus' life as Jesus' life went on. Um, John's gospel is a little bit different. Um, John's gospel is uh, really built around three... Um, primary or seven primary experiences, sorry, and, and seven primary teachings. And he kind of compiles it from that perspective. So it isn't necessarily chronological. And John also wrote this gospel uh, somewhere around AD, 89, AD, 90 AD, um, well after Jesus' death, which would have happened in the late you know, 20s, uh, early uh, 30s AD when he died. Um, so it was at the end of, G, or of John's life that he's, he's pinning these words and and he's essentially looking back at, at what has happened. And I think it can be dangerous for us in this moment for us to look back at what has happened and not at least feel the emotion of what's going on in the moment. See, the crazy thing is, is uh, this verse 2, this, this verse in parentheses here, uh, this Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with his hair. That doesn't happen until John 12. It's the next chapter. So we, we look at Mary in this moment like death is upon her brother. It's about to come. I don't know if you've ever had anyone die that you've been close to, but um, as you walk with them along that journey, there's a lot of desperation there. You know, my, my dad died almost a year ago now, and as I sat next to his bed, you know, those final days, there was a lot of desperation. I, I did the same thing that Jesus did here because I was pulling it strong because I was trying to do anything that I possibly could to save my father. Um, so like Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. I, I told my dad to get up. I prayed any prayer I could think of. I, I got the community to pray uh, along with me. I, I sent word essentially out to God, begging him to intervene and save my father. And, and in those moments, 
it's that weird dynamic where you're full of hope and full of desperation and full of doubt all mixed into one. And my guess is you can relate to it. My guess is, is you've been in those experiences or you're currently in those experiences. And oftentimes God isn't showing up the way that you expected him to. Or God isn't showing up on the timeline that you expected him to show up. And that's really what this whole sermon's about. It's about waiting on God. And in the midst of waiting on God, it's, it's how do I actually trust God? And as we work through the rest of the story, we're going to see elements of, of doubt. We're going to see elements of frustration. But we're also going to see a trust that gets built because of who they're interacting with, a trust that we have to hold on to that I think we often forget. So let's place ourselves in the story as, as Mary and Martha with a loved one about to take their last breath. We're desperate for God to intervene. Right? We know how this story ends if God doesn't show up. And my guess is we all can relate to that experience. We're waiting for God to show up. We're, we're in the midst of the not yet. Um, let's keep going in, in verse 11. It said, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going, to, I'm going there to wake him up. Remember, this is two days later. Um, for whatever reason, we're going to find out that reason here in just a second, but um, Jesus didn't heal him right in the moment. Um, Jesus didn't send his, his spirit out like he did of the centurion um, and, the da- and his daughter and, and save him from a distance or his, his servant. But after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I'm, I, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Here's the disciples having this conversation with Jesus. This is before Jesus was crucified. It's before he was resurrected. Um, majority of the disciples, other than John, hadn't necessarily seen Jesus raise someone from the dead yet. Death is pretty permanent. And I, I think oftentimes we find ourselves in these places where um, the permanent has happened. Right? We've been, we've been praying for something or asking God to intervene in something. And we had this deadline right in front of us and the deadline came and passed and we thought God wasn't going to intervene. That we've lost our moment. Look back at verse 15. You know, For your sake, I'm glad I was not there. It's a weird thing for Jesus to say. Right, here's the disciples thinking, and they know Lazarus. He's, they're friends with Lazarus just like Jesus was, maybe not to the same extent, but they're in relationship with him. He, he was part of the circle. And they just lost a friend, like Jesus just let them know is, he's dead. But this, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe it, it's a statement of increasing trust. Right? Trust is what God wants from us. Trust is God's love language. Like, how do we love God more? We trust him in greater capacity and in greater things. Like, that, 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 
that's the type of relationship God wants from us. He wants us to trust him with the craziness, right? Is it, I think it's Corinthians off the top of my head. Um, oh, it's, sorry, it's, it's Jesus. It's in Luke uh, or in uh, Mark. <clears throat> no, it's in Luke, sorry. Uh, one day we'll get verses right. But uh, Jesus says what's, what's impossible for man is possible for God. And it's that trust factor that grows inside of us, the increased faith that, that Jesus is seeking and, and desiring. And I think this is the piece that oftentimes us as Christians miss. We lose this. Um, we, we live in a society in a world where we don't necessarily need God's intervention majority of the time, right? You have a roof over your head, you have food on your table, you have a job and a car and, and all these things that typical Americans have. And there isn't a desperation for, for us to be asking God for these types of things. So we, we kind of go on with our lives and, you know, things come up and we, we pray and ask for those things, but, but those prayers stop and we give up hope. Just as, as Mary and, and Martha, just as the disciples in this moment, could easily have just given up hope. This is permanent. But we forget the God that we serve. The God that works in the miraculous. The God that isn't um, bound by the timeline that we live on and, and we justify things away rather than believing that God can. And more importantly, that God will. Like I, I know Hill City, I, I tell you this on a regular basis, but I don't struggle with, God, with believing God can. I have no doubt God can. But I, I do carry a lot of doubt that God would or will for me. Right? You, you, you look through your lives and, and all the ways that God hadn't shown up where you expected him to or, or didn't show up in the way that you thought he was going to and, and you start making your lists. You're like, I, I trust God most of the time except for that one time you know, when I was 22 and well, he didn't show up like I thought he was going to. But trust is, is, is bigger than the results as least as we expect them to be. Right, right. Trust is believing that what God's plan is is, is greater. That he's going to work out all things for the good of those who love him. Right, I tried everything to save my dad. Well, everything I could. And he still died. Now I could get angry in that moment and say, God, this is your fault. I can get angry in that moment and say, God, why? Like, how, could, how dare you? God, I thought you were the God of the impossible. Or I can trust him. And trust that this was my dad's time. That he's in a better place. That he gets to see the glory of God as, as I haven't seen yet. till I take my last breath. I can believe that this tragedy and this heartache brings other fruit, right? I'm closer to my family and my siblings than I ever been. And that wouldn't have happened if, if my dad didn't die. Now we're in the midst of it, right? Where the disciples are sitting right now, where Mary and Martha are sitting right now, looking at it from that perspective, that's hard. And most of the time we don't. And in all honesty, it's probably okay that we don't. As long as we keep holding on to the, the faith and the trust in, in our Lord Jesus. Trusting that his plan is still perfect, however his plan plays out. Right? There's big dreams Hill City's playing, praying for right now. Dreams of provision and dreams um, that, that are well beyond ourselves. 
And if God doesn't show up in those ways, what do we do? Well, things are going to be drastically different for Hill City. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't still have us. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't still trust him. And it doesn't mean he can't redeem and restore and take us through those darker times to get us to the better times. Right? There's work that God wants to do in our heart. And, and that's essentially what, what Jesus is saying here to the disciples. Like, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For your sake, I'm glad we go through this journey of hard, uh, of hard times. I'm glad we, we hit this heartache because it's going to develop a, a deeper trust than you had before. That's a hard lesson to learn. But a lesson 100% totally worth it. God's love language is trust. God wants us to trust him more. We don't get to those places to exercise that muscle of trust until we get to the hard times. And I know if you're in the midst of it right now, believing the hard times is hard. But it's worth it. That's why community becomes so important. Because it's in those moments that we can't hold ourselves up that our community comes around you and grabs your arms and holds you up. But if you're trying to do this life without people, you're trying to do this life as a lone ranger on your own, you're going to struggle. That's not how God designed this. You can be like, well, it's just me and my God and he's enough. But he didn't design it that way. He wants you to be in community. He wants you to be in the church with people. And I'm not talking about your typical church that you see where it's a Sunday morning service and you come and you serve and you give and and you call it good and you move on. No, I'm talking about genuine community where you're known and you know people. We need that support. We, We need those people around us. We can't do this by ourselves. Let's keep going in our story in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days, Mary and Martha sat in their grief. Four days, they had uncontrollable tears bursting out of them. Four days, they probably went from all the emotions, from anger and frustration. Four days, they sat in it. Remember what Jesus said, for your sake, I'm glad it was not there. In verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, and Mary stayed at home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. God, if you showed up on time, my my, my brother wouldn't be dead. God, if you answered my prayers, it wouldn't have ended up this way. Remember, we... What's impossible for man is possible for God. We, we keep faith. We keep trusting and we can see the miraculous. We keep believing that God isn't working on our timeline, but he's going to work out the good for those who love him. In 
Let me read that again. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? An invitation to trust. Verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. And after she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still in a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews heard, or when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house confronting her, or comforting her, Notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, uh, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you were there, if you were here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that come along with her were weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. I think oftentimes in the midst of the waiting, we often believe the lie that God doesn't see us. I think oftentimes when we're in the midst of the waiting, those lies grab a hold of us and we think our God isn't compassionate and that he doesn't care. But we serve a God that lived 100% human as he was fully God here on earth. And we see in this moment that he had compassion and he had care and he had a deep love. He feels what we feel. And I think there's comfort in that idea if you constantly remind yourself and fight the lies that in the midst of this thing, as I'm crying out to God, whatever I'm asking God for, however I need him to intervene, that, that God not only hears those prayers, but he feels us in the midst of them. And the beautiful thing about who God is, we, we see this in, in some of Jesus' teachings uh, in the other Gospels of God is going to come as fast as he can come. He's not going to wait just for the sake of waiting. Like there, there's other things that have to align and come into play. In this case, right, trust had to get built, right? Hope had to increase. Faith had to increase, right? You're in the midst of these things. You had to tap into these, this relationship. You had to tap into this trust. And, and this is the, the invitation that, that, that Jesus gives uh, Martha, right? Do you believe this? 
right? They had to go through this experience to be able to see the fruit on the other side, but, but Jesus coming as fast as he possibly can. And it might not feel like that, right? We look at this story and said, why did Jesus wait two days? Because trust had to be built. Perseverance through the midst. He, they had to see that the glory of who Jesus is as the Son of God. Right? Four days had to go by, so all the ritual uh, of death and, and burial had happened, that, that he is wrapped up in the tomb, and it's permanent in the eyes of the Jews. And then Jesus shows up on the scene in his glory and does the miraculous. Right? Those things had to happen. And that's a good reminder for us in the midst of it. While we're in the midst of the waiting, not only does God see you, God feels with you. God is experiencing the heartache and the frustration as you're experiencing the heartache and the frustration. When you're begging God to intervene, he's in the midst of those cries. And we can take comfort in that. Now, much easier to do when we know the ending of the story and we can look back. But knowing the ending of the story and looking back doesn't build trust. Trust is built in believing with the faith that we have that God is the God who said, you know, who made the promise and will fulfill the promise. Right? He said it. This will not end in death. It will end in in glory of God and glory of the Son, right? Essentially, this will not end in death, and I'm going to do something here. Verse uh, 34, again, um, Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept, and then the Jews said to him, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once uh, more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39, take the stone away, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time the, there is a bad odor and he's been in there for four days. Are you sure you want to do this? Probably still on that teeter-tottering place on is God going to provide? Is he not going to provide? Is he going to intervene? Is he not going to intervene? Jesus said to them, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see glory of you will see the glory of God? You will see this miracle. So what do they do? Verse 41. They had faith. They chose to trust. So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said that this, this for the benefit of the people standing here, that, you, that they may believe that you sent me. I think that's a prayer that, that we can imitate. Right, Father, thank you that you hear my prayers. Or you might not believe it. You might, by, by, by struggling in the midst of the doubt of it all, God, can you actually hear me? But I think there's power in speaking something into existence, and not in some crazy mythological way, but, 
But if we're able to tell ourselves truth, then it's truth. God hears us. We know that's true. Why do we know that's true? Because over and over again, Scripture reminds us that it's true. But not just that, our own experiences remind us it's true. And church history reminds us that it's true. God hears our prayers. So it's not a matter of speaking something that isn't true or, or is, is, is out there that we're pulling back in. It's, it's speaking truth to ourselves when we need to be reminded of it. Right? It's, it's sitting down and, and maybe writing a prayer out physically to God. God, I believe that you're going to move in this way because you've promised you're going to move in this way. God, I'm trusting that you hear my prayers and you're going to work all things out for my best and for your glory because your word has promised us that. Right? There's, there's something that happens in our hearts as we declare truth over our lives and start to fight back the lies that we're believing. And that's not just for our, ourselves, by, it's just not just for us. It's also for those we do life with, those around us. I think oftentimes we, we find ourselves in these places where we pray these prayers. I'm desperate for God to intervene, but we don't bring people into the conversation. Right? If no one knows what I'm asking God for, then no one knows if God doesn't provide it in that way. Well, that's not faith. Faith is bringing your community into some crazy dreams and asking God to intervene in these places. When you have desperate needs, it's, it's bringing your community around you and saying, here's my need and here's how I need God to provide. Will you pray with me? And as God answers those prayers in our lives, it's going to help those around us, especially the non-believers, experience the glory of God, experience God's miraculous. It's going to help them believe. Right? That's what we see throughout Jesus' ministry. Over and over again, we see miracle after miracle. It was for the sake of those that had open hearts to believe. He was showing his deity. He was showing his glory. And we have an opportunity in our prayers, in our desperation, to let others see the same thing so that they may believe. And now we get to the best part of the story. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Four days, Lazarus was in the tomb. Four days, desperation had already set in. Four days had passed, and for Mary and Martha, it felt permanent. But if Jesus said something was going to be, Jesus is going to bring that thing to be. And that's where trust is built. Trust is built in the waiting. Trust is built in, in, in those moments where we have to have faith that God's going to intervene because we can't, there's nothing we can do on our own. And he's going to intervene in the best way possible for us. And we can have faith in that. It's in these moments that our faith increases. It's in these moments that, that the miraculous gets seen. It's in these moments that those that are watching our life closely, those that, that we're in relationship with, get to experience Jesus in all his glory. Right? These miracles aren't just for us. These miracles are, are for those around us to believe. But be honest with where you're at. Right? Like Everyone knows when you're faking it. 
right? When you're saying, well, I have peace and you just lost your job. Or I have peace and you just lost a loved one. Or I have peace and you just had to declare bankruptcy. But I have peace about all this. When it's just words and there's no fruit behind the words, it feels fake because it is. But when we wrestle in the hardness of all these things, and we wrestle in the desperation of these things, and we let others see us in the wrestling of those things, but choosing to trust God anyways, there's power in that. So even if you're in the midst of waiting right now, even in the midst of desperation right now, choose to trust on God. Choose to trust that this moment of waiting is building you into something greater. God is shaping your heart. God is building into you who you're called to be. And here's the crazy part. This is just the beginning of the story. You're going to get through this season. And the next season is going to be even that hard. We said this a few weeks ago. Trust never gets easier. Because what you trust God for is only going to get bigger. But that's who we're called to be. We're called to be people that believe God can do the impossible. And then watch him do the impossible. Let me pray for you. Father God, God, this is a hard lesson to learn. Especially God, if we're in the midst of it right now, waiting on you. God, the enemy comes at us from every angle and he gives us lie after lie that, that we believe. Father, bring healthy community around us and give us the courage to share what's really going on so they can support us and remind us of your truth when it's difficult for us to find it. God, when the giant in front of us seems too big, God, bring those people around us that can speak that truth to us and remind us of who you actually are. You're the God of the impossible. You're the God that doesn't live on our timeline, that doesn't live by restraint of Uh, of this life that we have to live by. That you're more than capable of doing absolutely anything and we can believe you in the midst of those things. God, in these moments where our trust is being built and our trust is being increased because we have to trust you, God, remind us that you're with us. You're not just with us. You hear us. You don't just hear us. God, you feel with us. You're a God that cares and a God that's present. For that, we give you great praise and glory. God, let us be people of faith that dream big dreams and expect you to intervene because that's who you are and that's what you do. We love you. In your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church.